What's good, Bracago? This is Khalif here. This is some more thoughts number three. Uh, thank you so much to everyone in Patreon land for supporting the show and supporting uh, me getting uh, the ability to do more of these out into the world. It's been really fantastic to be able to talk to you in this kind of more intimate setting uh, and not kind of in just the direct ways that we do on a normal podcast. So thank you to everyone who's continued to support us here uh, on Patreon with this with this work and then uh, sharing it out once it goes um, into the public spaces as well uh, to be able to share this work out, um, which I really, really enjoy and really love. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit of a mismatch of, of a couple of conversations and a couple of topics. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant's death. I think it definitely did affect me in ways that I didn't expect. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about my time at Dice this past week, uh, which was fantastic and has definitely moved that show up into one of my favorite conferences of the week. And uh, we'll see where the rest of the show takes us. I, I think that there's something else in my brain. I just haven't figured out exactly what yet. Uh, we'll see if we get there uh, in the 30 minutes that we have. But um, I want to talk about a couple of different things in the docket today. Um, yeah, the, the Kobe Bryant death, um, tragic death of, of him, his daughter, Gigi, and the other folks in that airplane. I'm sorry, in that helicopter a couple weeks back. Um, I didn't really have a lot of good uh, ways to talk about that yet. I didn't really have words for it. I saw a lot of conversations happening, um, and didn't want to jump into the fray immediately because I hadn't wrapped my brain around what that death meant to me. And, you know, there are folks who will kind of automatically jump to whatever version of your life that they want to, to kind of get their own agenda out in the world. And I, I, I just don't rock with that part. Like that part to me always feels a little bit gross. Um, I think it's okay to let people and let the world have a moment <clears throat> to be able to kind of wrap their feelings around, you know, how they're taking to these incidents and how they're taking to the loss of lives like this and people who have been in the spotlight for a very long time. Um, I remember kind of sitting down and, and getting a text from somebody uh, about what had happened and I was kind of stuck. I'd like talked to a couple of friends right, right after that and didn't really know what I wanted to say to them because I know there are a couple of folks I know who are huge Kobe fans. Um, we didn't know about, you know, whether the information was real yet. Uh, we definitely didn't know about his daughter right as soon as the news broke. Uh, which which doubled down on the tragedy specifically for for sports fans and, and fans of that family who had seen Gigi kind of like start to grow into um, a young woman who was trying to emulate her father in a lot of ways. Um, it was going to take up the mantle in the basketball sense. Um, and it was also like one of those things when the Emmys were coming around and Kobe had just won an Emmy the year before. Uh, for his uh, animated documentary. And, you know, you don't expect people to die as young as he did. Like, Kobe and I are the same age. His birthday was the day, is the day before my birthday. Um, it's, it's tragic in a lot of different ways because you've seen this, this now 41-year-old grow up basically alongside you um, being the young brash athlete who grew up to be the the grown brash athlete <laughs> and also become one of the best players on the planet in your lifetime is something you don't really see. Like 
Jordan had that same thing and lucky enough to have seen him play, but Kobe was a little bit different in that respect. He was a throwback player. Um, and I don't think a lot of people have seen that in a long time. Like, I don't think when you want a hard nose, like, you know, kind of player, you know, you think of Kobe as like kind of the last ones of those ilk, you know, like there aren't a lot of those folks left in the space. Um, so, so it's one of those really hard to grasp things when one, it's out of nowhere. And two, you just don't have an explanation for like, how can people who are seemingly have turned their lives around from a very disgusting and terrible incident, figured out ways to be better people in a world where we don't see people change often. Um, I know that the conversation has been a lot around, you know, his life and a lot of, a lot around what he's been doing. But I remember the conversation I had with my wife she came home, uh, right after hearing the news that, that, that day. And she was like, you know, how are you feeling? You know, how are you thinking about that stuff? You know, what are your thoughts about everything? And, you know, a lot of the conversation of course, went towards what he did on the court and, and all those things. But one of the major conversations I was having with my friends during that part of the part of the day was about the young woman that he assaulted and trying to figure out how to reconcile the feelings that we had for this phenomenal athlete that ran parallel to this knowing that he is, you know, he was a, he had, he had enacted one of the worst acts that you can on another human being and really didn't like, I don't know, like really didn't serve any consequences for it. And that part has continued to stick with me before and after his death. Like it was a thing that I'd never disconnected from his legacy. It was a thing I never disconnected from the thought process. You, it, it winds up clearing itself away in a lot of ways because sport becomes sport. And you cheer those people on even when you hate them because you know how you know what they mean to the sport and you know what the the kind of like um majesty that you're witnessing on the court but i think seeing the conversations from a lot of folks especially victims or i should say survivors um it always circled itself back to that conversation about like what did he do you know what did people know how did people feel about that how do people feel about it now? How the story around survivors never really gets told. And, and that has always stuck with me. And I, it's something I wrestle with, even thinking about his legacy post his death is a thing that I think most reasonable people who are paying attention and have their eyes wide open, um, still are reconciling with, and they, they, you know, some folks are definitely on the, you know, fuck Kobe train and they'll never give him you know, any respect for what he, what he did because of that, 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 that time with that, that woman in that hotel room. But I also think it's, um, it's interesting to be able to see, you know, how we as a society kind of don't remember those pieces of a person's life. Now I'm, I'm a person who believes in the want to not flatten people out. And what I mean by that is like, I don't want people to automatically just recall the, the worst thing that you've ever done. 
it's been really hard to to try to figure out how to share ideas around him without thinking about that particular incident and not wanting to flatten him out even though i think a lot of people should and they could and they and you know each each person is very different in a way that they take news like that but i've been trying to figure out good ways to wrap my brain around who he was as a person what he did both good and bad and then try to you know give a good 360 view of at least what i understand of his life to be in a public space um and it's sickening to know that he did what he did he admitted it there's no you know beating around the bush about you know if he did it or did he or did he not do it um like it's been on the record for a very long time like he admitted to it um to the police when it happened and um it's it's again like the most vile act that you can enact on someone else um we shouldn't necessarily just let that go by the wayside because he was a fantastic basketball player like that's not that's not the way the world works the woman who went through that she has to live with that for the rest of her life regardless of if she had a settlement or not like i think people focus on that like it made it made a difference it doesn't you know people are exalting this 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 one particular human being while she was you know taken advantage of and she was you know she was assaulted so i feel like you know in the same ways that i that i think that the the conversation around kobe and the mamba mentality is important and i have you know enacted some of the ideals ideas and ideals around that of you know persevering and working hard and trying to figure out you know the best ways to make make moves with some of that stuff and like you know you get knocked down you keep going but i also sit back and i wonder if that same mamba mentality isn't the thing that caused that assault you know what i mean like that same mamba mentality was the thing that probably changed that conversation from her saying no in her from her lips to him hearing whatever he heard that made him want to continue going you know like when my wife was talking about that stuff she was like you know again what are your thoughts about it and i was like you know i have no doubt that if you tell a you tell a a, a young rich athlete who is used to getting everything that he wants on a silver platter hearing someone say no and them saying well what that doesn't mean anything to me is totally a reasonable thing to think that those that the person with that mentality would do uh you know men with power <laughs> corrupt all the time men with power take whenever they want men with power do terrible things all the time with the idea in their head that they will get away with it and that it's okay in that same mama mentality that we exalt as being this wonderful thing i totally believe was you know a part of the reasoning why he did what he did that day um so uh, yeah it's a hard deal like i'm 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 watching the all-star game this weekend or watch it this weekend and see all the kobe jerseys and the kobe this and that and it's hard to be able to be like yo dude is one of the best 
players of basketball on the planet, but he's also a person who assaulted another human being in the worst way that you possibly can. And I just think about that woman all the time. Like I think about her, I think about what she went through. I think about what she continues to go through while, while all this is still kind of hot and in the air. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad to, to feel like, yo, we still haven't figured out good ways to um, put those boxes in the places that they need to be so that everyone can be okay. Like, I know she's probably not okay seeing all the stuff that's been going down. And that's hard. It's hard to think about if you're really trying to be empathetic and really trying to put yourself in other people's shoes to be like, this is madness <laughs> in a lot of different ways. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm going to shift because the Kobe stuff is super, super, super hard. Um, you know, if you're a survivor, like I rock with you, I support you, you know, like you have a place here in Bracago, you have a place here, you know, if you need things and we can help in some form or fashion, like, please reach out. Like I've had people jump into my DMS and tell me about stuff that I can't share and I don't want to share. And then they've asked me not to, but I, I, I'm always, I always have an open space for you to share what you feel like you can. And I want to continue to make sure that I'm giving people spaces to be able to do that. Um, while also hoping that they seek professional help, uh, to be able to get through, uh, what they've gone through. Um, so know that I care, know that a lot of folks in, in our community care, and we're here to kind of help uplift you and, and put you in good spaces. Um, so know that and, and please use that uh, when you can. Um, shifting to um, something a little bit lighter. Um, I just came back from DICE in Vegas. Um, the DICE conference is put on from the uh, Academy of Arts and Sciences. Uh, if you listen to the one of the most recent episodes of Spawn on Me, then you know that I was super excited about the possibility of going. Uh, because um, it is very rare for folks in the press to be able to get invited to something like this. Um, it is even more rare to have brown people invited to, to stuff like this, which is changing. Um, and that was evident in some of the uh, folks that I saw kind of on the ground doing the work at the show. Um, it is a it is a really interesting conference. It is like if you wanted to <laughs> if you wanted to call it something that kind of everybody can understand, it's like the gaming industry Illuminati. <laughs> it's like, it's like that meeting where literally anyone and everyone who has some significant, um, reach or significant, um, power to do things in the gaming industry is, is there. So like, you know, folks that I've been following for decades, just walk through and everybody's like, Hey, it's like cheers, but like with the gaming industry folks. So like Phil Spencer's in the room, Ed Boone's in the room, you know, Adam Boyce is in the room. Uh, you know, uh, the, the guy who made Halo is in the room. I can't remember his name right now. It just fell out of my brain. Um, Amy Hag Amy Hennig is in there, you know, like Robin Hunnicky, like all these huge names of the industry are there. Um, and I get to be a fly on the wall for two or three days and just kind of absorb all the stuff that people are kind of talking about and, and digging into. Uh, my main reason for being there besides kind of just covering it um, in a kind of tertiary way was uh, I was going to do a roundtable 
um, about a particular subject. So the subject that I kind of tried to pick apart or at least bring to the table as a conversation was, if you remember back when they had their initial tweet and all that information got shared about the, you know, just having all these round tables and it was all a bunch of white people um, kind of being shown and showcased in that space. Um, once I got the, the nerve to kind of put my, my name in the hat, I said, what's the thing that no one is talking about that we should discuss? Um, and of course, diversity and inclusion is a part of that conversation. I feel like it always needs to be. Um, it's a thing that we always need to be thinking about in real ways. But I wanted to tackle it from a different perspective, and I was hoping that I would kind of get it from a different angle. Um, so the conversation that we usually have in the DNI spaces is around just visual representation, right? Visual, visual, visual representation in both the games we play and in the industry full stop, right? Like we want people working in the industry. We want all of our POC folks to be able to find gainful employment in, in all those places while also kind of representing their, their communities. Um, I wanted to dig into it from a little bit of a different perspective and I wanted to kind of poke at it from a financial side of the fence. And I've been doing this work at least in the past year since I started working at Intel, trying to make the case basically to say, if you were to take the brown dollar, so that means all PLC folks who are in the gaming space right now, all the consumers that are in that space right now, if we all boycotted for a year, what would be the financial hit to the industry? And would that financial hit wake up people in power to say, oh shit, these folks have taken their money and have left. What does that actually mean to the way that we now need to look at them as a consumer block and actually put resources towards marketing towards them, towards talking about and including them in the conversations about the games that, that are being made. And, and then also trying to figure out good ways that, you know, even in a selfish way, you need people who are looking at games through their life's prism to be able to showcase and share these games out in a real way as well. So, you know, it works up and down the ladder in terms of how you kind of hit the conversation. Um, and I use that as the kind of foundation for the conversation I was going to have in my roundtable. Um, I can't discuss what happened in the roundtable because per dice rules, it is a thing that we can't actively talk about. It is, it is a thing that they talk about in the rules of like dice is a very special place to be able to have conversations with your peers and those in those conversations don't leave dice. So it is very much a whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of conversation uh, for the US domestic version of dice. Um, and but I will say that the conversation that I had with folks, when I broached them with that idea, a lot of eyes kind of raised and they were like, huh, that's a really interesting angle to tackle DNI stuff. And I was like, well, look, I can't wait for humans to get their shit together and to try to figure out to do the hearts and feels versions of uh, equality. Like we've known that racism is a thing forever. We've known that those conversations around representation have been in this space, at least in a real way for the past six years, seven, even, even maybe 10. We've seen it in other aspects of media and entertainment for a very long time. 
And to a certain extent, I can't wait for people to have their aha moment in their hearts and minds. Let's figure out ways to talk about it from a perspective of what hits you in your wallet. And I'm still trying to prove that out. Um, the conversation, or at least the data points that I had from a couple of from from one particular source, showed that at least in as an estimate of how much money we bring to the table as a consumer block, and I'm talking about all POCs, that that you know, of course there are mixes and matches of of what that may mean, and of course not everyone identifies the same way, but it's like twenty to twenty five million dollars a year, right? That's not huge in comparison to the amount of money that the gaming industry makes a year, but it is significant. And they're also not reporting all the numbers uh, because of all the things you know from when you talk about polling, right? A lot of, I can just talk about on the, the African-American side of it, it's like there's a deficit of us being polled for things and a deficit of us reaching out to people to be polled. So I know that that must be a thing that's happening in other various sectors of POC representation. So knowing that that's a part of that conversation, like I know that number has to be higher. I know the numbers have to be higher. I would probably double or triple it just to tell you how much, cause we know that POC folks, especially black folks consume a lot of media. We know that POC folks, especially are consuming a lots of media on mobile. Um, we know that the, the, the money that we spend is formidable. You heard it in the last episode that we had with, um, uh, uh, um, Lauren Ruffin about, you know, what the GDP of the black community alone would be. So we know that the money that we spend is significant in that space. It's just a matter of trying to make the case about what that looks like in the gaming space. So I'm looking to find folks who can either help me kind of prove that out, or at least help me try to figure out good numbers, good, reasonable numbers that we can kind of extrapolate out and use it as a good data point to, to talk to people in real ways to say, if you're not gonna, you know, think about us when it comes to the prospects of putting us in your games, like here's the financial hit that your company can possibly take when it comes to that stuff and when it comes to that idea. So it was uh, fantastic to be able to have those conversations with folks and, and, and meet some new people and you know, I got a chance to hang out a little bit with, with Rami Ismail and, 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 uh, uh, why can't I think of his name right now? John Wick made the John Wick game. Um, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Um, but it just fell out of my brain. Um, and that was fantastic. Just getting a chance to hang out with those folks was really dope. Like it's just so much fun to, you know, be around people who understand the, the, the gaming industry in a real way. It was Mike Bithel. I couldn't think of Mike Bithel's name for a hot second. I don't know why. Um, but it, it like circles back to the conversation around, you know, what does the gaming industry look like? What does the gaming industry feel like from the inside out? And the narrative that we always see from people out in the world is like, oh, the gaming industry is terrible and the gaming industry is awful. And yeah, there's there's bad parts to every industry that you can ever be in. But I think the thing that I kept coming away from the conversations that I heard and the roundtable discussions that I that I was a part of or, 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 or witnessed or kind of overheard was that people, even if you don't think they care, they really care. 
about the health and wealth of the growth of the, in, of the industry. Like they really care about trying to figure good ways to incorporate, you know, multiple voices at the table. There are lots of people who are still trying to figure out good ways to open it up in meaningful ways to POC folks in that space. I would say, especially even, I would say, especially the folks over at the uh, Academy of Arts and Sciences, like their staff was mostly POC that I saw running that, running that conference. Um, uh, Megan Schiavo, who, who, who ran, who ran it herself, you know, she deeply cares about kind of including more, more people into the space and, and has worked really hard to try to build that up in the short amount of time that she's been there, uh, kind of running it. Um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to have her on the show at some point to talk about dice. I think that would be fantastic, uh, to give a really good, in, uh, conversation about like what that means and, and from her mouth specifically um and you know the conversation that we had with the folks during that week about you know interviews with nick allen from loaded and about the esa with stanley pierre lewis like there are people who are thinking about actively who are in big places who have the ability to kind of help move a thing those folks are kind of doing the work and i think that we should be able to while we continue to ask for more we should be continuing to say like hey you're doing some stuff like you're you're, you're trying to make things happen while also all of us trying to continue to make the moves that we're making that we're making so um it, it was a very very fruitful i believe week i think it, we came out of it as a as a show in a better position. You got a lot of cards and a lot of hands and spoke to a lot of different people about the show and what we're trying to accomplish here, which felt really good. Um, and it makes me really excited for the rest of the year. Like I think, you know, a peek behind the curtain, our show numbers wise, isn't doing as well as it should be. There's a lot of technical reasons for that. You know, again, I was talking about that in one of the other shows the other day about, you know, Apple podcast is the show that our, is a platform that our show is mostly listened to on. Um, and if I go away for a couple of weeks and don't put up an episode, like it'll just unsubscribe you from, from our feed, which kills our numbers. We're like at half the numbers that we used, that we're used to doing because of a couple of, a couple of weeks of not being on for, cause I went on vacation or because of, you know, weeks where I'm not feeling good and I can't put out a show or whatever. So it's like, triply important that people continue to show the show and sharecase the show, show and sharecase that's not even a word to showcase the show and share it um with the people in your circles and to you know talk about the good work that's happening because i feel like you know we're continuing to do dope stuff um and it just helps to, to continue to push us into better directions with the work that we're doing um so i'm really excited about that i'm excited about uh some cool stuff i'm gonna be able to do at gdc this year i will definitely probably be on kind of funny again so i'll get to hang out with my boy greg and the, and the rest of the kind of funny crew and plus um and continue to look for opportunities down the road of like really fun things that we'll be able to do here and showcase here um there's a very i'm like 95 percent done with locking down an episode uh with a company that you have definitely heard of uh, so keep your eyes and ears out for that stuff 
um and yeah i'm gonna continue to push out more things with the newsletter and more episodes of smart thoughts in the future to kind of have these more again like intimate conversations about just what's going on in my brain um and i feel like it's really helpful to be able to have that um be here for all of you so you can kind of get a better understanding of like what's going on behind the scenes so we're running out of time uh for this episode again thank you everyone for uh donating and for subscribing and for uh, checking out the twitch stuff and checking out everything here uh we're gonna rejigger some of the the uh, the tiers a little um i think i'm i'm thinking about dropping the one dollar tier and, and bumping it up to two dollars uh everyone who is already in the one dollar tier you'll just be grandfathered in um to the the two dollar stuff um and then we'll have a couple of other tiers that are in between because there's a big jump between um you know five and ten and everything else uh, so i want to give people more options to be able to support um and also feel like they don't have to like throw a big chunk of change at the, at the patreon um just to be a part of uh these episodes and all the other stuff so uh, mad love to you all thank you again for rocking with us uh, for rocking with me on the show uh, it means a bunch um, please let me know um, about feedback to this episode and anything else that's going out on the feed um, it really does mean a lot when I get feedback about stuff and, and it helps to know what hit and what didn't um, if you have time please give us a 5 star review on, on Apple iTunes um, because that absolutely grows our show in a significant way um, and tell a friend, you know, please tell a friend uh, so we can continue to make dope stuff for you all here and at home. So until then, mad love to you all. Uh, there'll be another episode of Smart Thoughts next week. Uh, newsletter goes out uh, the week afterward. Um, and then we'll come back and talk some more gaming stuff and life stuff uh, here on Some More Thoughts. So until then, much love. We'll see you in a bit and peace.